Hi everyone, welcome back to East Coast Haunts. I'm MK. And I'm Sam. And today, we are here with an episode that was requested by a listener, correct? Yes, we are. I am very excited to do this this place. I won't give anything away just yet, even though I know if you've clicked on this episode, you know what the title is. So, um, it's not East coast. I know I kind of plugged that in the last episode. It's definitely not on the East coast. So today we're, we're temporarily rebranding as Midwest haunts, Western haunts, middle America haunts, maybe middle America haunts. Speaking of obscure States, just kidding. Love all you Midwesterners. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So oh, I'm also recording this from my brand new apartment, which is very exciting. Hopefully the audio quality is okay. Yeah. Do they sound okay? Yes. Slight. Sounds very good. So we were, I don't know why I'm going off on the side tangent, but you know that episode of Friends? It's like a Thanksgiving episode where Ross like challenges himself to name all 50 states before he can eat Thanksgiving dinner. Yes. Do you know that one? We tried to do that and I got down to like I think I got to I thought I got like 48 states and then I had to look at a list because I was like I could not get the last two and this state was one of the ones that I had forgotten really yeah actually I'm not surprised because this is one of the states that I'm pretty sure is like a square isn't there like a couple there are a couple I think uh, states that are like straight up squares in the midwest I'm going to be so for real with you. The only thing I know about this state is that it's where the Wizard of Oz was based. Yeah. I I agree that that is, I feel like it's it's claim to fame, which is more than like, I, think I mean, that's, listen, it's a good, it's a good thing to be known for. Yeah. I mean, one of the top movies of all time and you got like a very iconic quote, Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. That's right, babies. We're heading to Kansas. Kansas, the mid-America square state that also has some spooky haunts. And this house is considered not only one of the most haunted houses in Kansas, it's considered one of the most haunted houses in America. And That's legit. Yeah. Do you want to introduce it? Yes, I would love to introduce it. So today we are talking about the Sally House, which is located in Atchison, Kansas. Should I just get into it? Yeah, why not? All right. right. So the Sally House is an allegedly haunted house in Atchison, Kansas, like I just said. But before we get into the nitty gritty of the history of it, I want to like set the scene, okay? Because obviously we'll put a picture of the house in our Instagram post, but I don't know if you're, if you're just listening and you're not going to check out the Instagram post, I just want you to be able to kind of feel the vibe. So Atchison is a historic, charming town. It's got lots of like boutiques. It's got historic homes. It's got quaint little cafes and restaurants. It's very much the type of place, Mary-Kate, that you and I would love, right? It sounds a little bit like like a smaller town, like almost like a Jim Thorpe where you could walk the streets and like explore the shops. 
I literally knew, I knew as I was writing that, that you were going to say Jim Thorpe. Like there was just something in me. I was like, he is going to say this is like Jim Thorpe. But yes, it is. And if you look at pictures of it, it's very Jim Thorpey. Jim Thorpe lives rent-free in my memory. I want to go back there. We will go back. Well, we have to do a Jim Thorpe 2024 um, trip. And maybe this time the people with COVID can not have COVID so they can come. You know? That would be lovely. And this time we have to stay in Jim Thorpe instead of like an hour and a half outside of Jim Thorpe, which we accidentally did. <laughs> but we still we'll stay at the haunted hotel. Yes, yes, that is exactly what we'll do. That'll be a good episode. I'm just saying. Although we we already talked about it, didn't we? Well, we did, whatever. but we can we can we didn't sleep inside. We visited like the very odd restaurant attached yeah, to the it. There's more than there. one haunted. There's more than one haunted place in Jim Thorpe. I'm sure of it. The whole place is haunted, which is why we like it. Yeah. Um, all right. So back to Atchison. Oh, sorry, Atchison. Um, so it also happens to be the birthplace of a very famous pilot, Amelia Earhart. Maybe you've heard of her. No way. Yeah. Heard of her? Yeah, that's crazy. I had no idea. Um, yeah, so that's where she was born. And I also, as I was, you know, researching this, I, I just wrote in my notes because I had to ask you, what do you think happened to her? Because I know there's a theory about her getting eaten by like those big crabs. That's the theory that I subscribe to. I okay. think, I 100% think that she landed like I don't think she was eaten alive by the crabs because they're scavengers but I think she died on the island and the crabs ate her bones and all and that's why there's no record of her I think that makes the most sense or just something with like getting lost at sea just because the ocean is like so insanely big it's like what are the odds that they found her I don't know it always makes me sad though like that's like a tragic fate Yeah, I agree with you. I think she, her story does make me sad. I think that, like, I would like to do more research into her life, I think, because I I did a project about her in school, and I still, like, I don't really remember a whole lot about her, but she was a pretty cool person. Yeah, she was. I don't know. So that's, it's kind of cool that that, that this was her hometown, especially because it's, like, this tiny little town in the Midwest, and it has such, like, an iconic figure in American history, especially for women. So yeah, there's of course a whole museum that's dedicated to her um, in Atchison. And like I said, there's lots of cute little shops, lots of cute little houses, lots of historical houses, which brings us to the Sally house. Um, (sighs) But also I have one more thing to add about Atchison. I kept seeing that Atchison is considered the most haunted city in Kansas. And that was like what it's marketed as I saw it everywhere. And I was like, okay, but like, why? So I looked into it and apparently that's just like Atchison, like they like uh, debuted a new marketing campaign. I think it was in like 2016. And like the campaign was like about it being haunted. So it's really just themselves mm-hmm. calling themselves haunted. So take take that as you will. But this place is interesting, definitely haunted. So I don't think that it's like a dumb name. I think it's, I think it's probably pretty accurate. So- um- Wait, sorry. One thing I will say about the Sally house is that there is like 
documented evidence of this place being haunted. Like a lot of things were caught on film. A lot of things were caught on camera. And there are a lot of like firsthand witness statements too. This place, sometimes I'm a little iffy on whether or not places are haunted or it could just be like, you know, an electrical malfunction if the lights are flickering or like a drafty area if the doors keep slamming closed. This place... I would hedge, I I would say that it's definitely haunted. There's definitely something demonic going on in this house. I I do agree with you. After the research and like watching videos and stuff, I completely agree. So, um, all right, I'm going to go back into it. Um, The house itself, it's very cute. Um, It's a two-story house. It's mostly white brick and it's got like a bluish gray trim. Um, And it has a really big tree in the front. It's very pretty. And it's on a quiet suburban street. So very picturesque, um, very like, yeah. old, old America, old small town America. Um, and despite its reputation for being like so scary and haunted and having demonic presence and all that, the origins of the house itself are pretty tame and quiet. Um, okay. So we're going to start with the building of the house. The house was commissioned by Michael C. Finney, and it was built somewhere between 1867 and 1871. So somewhere in, you know, the middle towards like slightly towards the tail end of the 1800s um okay michael c finney had a wife and he had three kids and they all moved in there and lived there and he actually died in 1872 which is fairly soon after they moved in i mean even if they moved in in 67 it's still pretty soon after yeah that kind of sucks that he moved in yeah and at most got five years living in this house i know and it's definitely, uh, it, it's it's going to be a pattern that you're going to probably, see, you're going to see again and again with this house, uh, which is interesting. Hmm. But, you know, he was the first guy and he, he died. I mean, especially if it was actually built in 72 and he died the same year. So uh, William Finney dies in 1872. However, um, Agnes, who is one of William Finney's three children, when she grows up, she actually moves into the house in 1918. Um, and she moves in with her husband, who is also named William. Uh, you know, there were only so many names back then. Yeah. And her husband, William True, actually dies that year that they move in, in 1918. Oh. So, yeah. So, yeah. Kind of weird, right? That is like a weird coincidence. Timing is weird. And then also... Um, Agnes dies in 1939, uh, which is, you know, that's like 20 years after her husband. I don't, uh, I mean, like, I don't know exactly how old she was. It's hard because I, we don't really know how any of these three died. So it's not like we can say like, oh, they all died under mysterious circumstances. Like it was like the late 1800s. Yes. What were you gonna say? Yeah. But there's still, that's already three documented deaths within the house. Yeah, right. Within, so, I mean, less, yeah, within far less than a hundred years. That's a lot, I think. I maybe not for a house back then, but for a house now. Like I remember when I moved into like my parents' house in Jersey. Like when we moved houses when I was a little kid, I was also back then a little bit of a paranormal freak. So I was like, I wonder if anyone's ever died in this house and is like haunting it. So I paid like for the online records of like, like who died in this house. And like, 
I was like 12. <laughs> and so I was like and I'm not even gonna lie to you like I had the temptation to do the same thing with this apartment that I just moved into and I probably will do it at some point or another but yeah I get it when I move into a house I'll absolutely do that if something popped up and was like oh yeah three deaths in this house that would send up a red flag to me I think I completely agree with that especially the fact that both Williams seem to be fairly young like I don't have their exact age but if William Finney had three young children when he moved in there um, and he died shortly after, I assume he was like middle-aged or slightly less. And yeah. uh, same with uh, the other William. I mean, I, I, if they'd like just gotten married and moved in, I don't think he was that old. So, And it's not like it was a genetic thing that he passed on because it was his son-in-law. So they weren't actually related. Exactly. Right? So yeah, weird hmm. stuff going on. Um. So that's just something interesting. So obviously there are no Sally's that I've talked about so far. So you might be wondering where does the Sally name get it? The Sally house get its name from. This is the story that connects a Sally to the Sally house. And there are a couple of different versions out there. Um, One of them is kind of like the more accepted version. And the other one is like, it's almost exactly the same, but there's just a slight difference. So first um, I'll tell you the, the widely accepted version according to legend. So at some point, the house belonged to a physician named Charles Finney. And, hmm. you know, Finney is the same last name as Michael and uh, his daughter and everyone. So like, it makes sense that it eventually was passed on. We don't know when, because I mean, if Michael okay. C. Finney died in 1872, and then uh, Agnes and her husband moved in in 1918, that's like, a that's a good chunk chunk of time that people definitely could have been moving in and out there right yeah charles finney used uh the bottom floor of the house for surgeries and exams and he used um one of the bedrooms as an office and then the family lived upstairs so it was kind of like a business on the bottom and then like living on the top floor type of thing which i think was pretty common back then yeah so we don't know exactly when this happened, but we can assume it was like the later 1800s or the very early 1900s, just based on um, the fact that, you know, we know who was living there in 1918. And we also know who was living there in 1872. Um, and there are records of a man named Charles Finney being a practicing physician in Atchison from 1894 to 1939. So hmm. probably, there I think in the late 1800s very early 1900s gotcha. so according to legend a little girl named Sally was brought to the house um, by her mother and this is where the story splinters off because some people say that she had gotten really bad burns from a kitchen accident and Ooh. other people say and this is the more common story is that she had acute appendicitis like her um, appendix was about to burst Ooh, and apparently actually. that is something that's very very like like unbearable pain. So, yeah. um, you know, the mother brings her in, in this panic state and the little girl, Sally is like screaming and crying because her appendix Aww. is about to burst and it hurts really, really bad. So of course he brings her in. He um, gets to operating right away. Somehow, apparently uh, in the, in the, the chaos of it all, Dr. Finney forgot to anesthetize. anesthetize? Is that the word? Anesthetize. Oh my God. Yeah. He forgot to anesthetize anesthetize Sally. So she wakes up during the surgery. Or he forgot to oh maybe wait God. for it to kick in. 
there are a couple of different stories. Either he forgot completely to give her the anesthesia or he waited. Um, he didn't wait until it kicked in. And, you know, maybe he was in a rush because, like, you could tell her appendix was about to burst. I don't know. But she woke up during the surgery and she died of shock. Some people say because, you know, that's a shocking thing to wake up to being cut open. Or perhaps she bled out during the surgery um, because, you know, she was scared. And if, if she's not, uh, you know, under anesthesia and she's awake, she might be flailing because it hurts. She might be moving and like, oh, my God, it made a wrong move. So we don't know if it was from shock or if she had died from bleeding out. But either way, her last moments were obviously very, very, very painful and very, very scary. And yeah. the last thing that he remembers is a man killing her. I mean, obviously, we don't oh. think I don't think that was his intention, but like her last moments were very, very scary and very sad. Um, That's so sad. It's 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 horrible, and it's really sad because it's a little kid, and it's something that like nowadays, like people do. You know, appendicitis is very dangerous, but like it, I think that medicine has a like doctors have a much better handle on it now um yeah. and, and with anesthesia and stuff so it's something that like looking back it's really sad because it's like oh if only they had had the the tools that they needed back then and maybe she would not have died you know right absolutely yeah so that's kind of that's where the sally house gets its name from and that's the big that's the lore behind the house but um nothing much happened after that until Two, a newly married uh, a newly married couple moved in in the 1990s, and stuff started happening. So I'm gonna let you take over from here because you are going over the haunts. Yes, and go through the haunts this poor couple did because <laughs> I have heard you know, being the hosts of a paranormal podcast, you hear a good amount of you know recounting of of hauntings and like. The one that especially comes to mind is the Conjuring House where they moved in and they were immediately kind of like bombarded with all these hauntings. And this is kind of, it kind of starts off the same way. So Deborah and Tony Pickman moved in in December 31st, 1992. So they're ready to ring in the new year in their beautiful new house, right? It's gorgeous. It's got, you know... The white facade, beautiful, big tree in the front, gorgeous. Very aesthetic. Um, yes, exactly. So immediately they just, they kind of start noticing like strange but mild occurrences. And they're able to write it off because they're like, you know what? This house was built in the 1800s. It's old. You know, the infrastructure is kind of old. They're first time homeowners. So they're like, you know what? Maybe this is just like the house settling um, but lights would like dim periodically. Any calls made from inside the house would drop, even though their cell service was, they would say pretty good, like anywhere outside the house. And their dog who was like normally pretty tame, pretty laid back would refuse to enter the nursery. And it would instead stand in the entrance to the nursery and bark nonstop at them when they went inside. That's really scary. Because I always see stuff about how, like, dogs and cats and animals in general are much more receptive to, like, 
yeah ghosts and demons and such so that and when even when like our family dog barks at nothing I get I get weirded out so that's I get freaked out too my dog has a really bad habit of like staring into blank corners and I think it's I he's always done this but like lately like especially after starting this podcast I'm like what do you see there but I'm kind of like you know his his he's older his eyesight's going so I can kind of write it off as that, but it's always freaked me out. Like, I- yeah, it's, it's spooky. If if I was just moving into a house and a dog refused to go in a room, I would be very freaked out. Absolutely. So anyway, this dog, after a few weeks, he kind of like starts to calm down. So now we're into like January, February. And one, obviously I kind of skipped over this, but if there was a nursery, it means Deborah was expecting and so they had the baby, and from there on out, things only got more intense. Um, um, electronics toys, like in the nursery, like wind-up toys and stuff, would start up and move on their own, which, yeah, I know, freaks me out. Um, also, the baby had like a wind-up mobile above his crib, so it would only like play music if you like wound it up. It was kind of like on a timer sort of thing. And Deborah one day was vacuuming the nursery and witnessed it start spinning and making music on its own. There was no one near it. Like the baby wasn't touching it. It was just started going on its own. That's so creepy because you know that the music like that's like cute for a baby or cute for the circus like (laughs) becomes like has like a creepy undertone when it's like in like a haunted place. (laughs) That's really creepy. Absolutely right. I like carnival music or like jack-in-the-box music or like um jewelry box music like right freaks me out freaks me out in like a creepy context yeah so then the baby who like babies don't typically like sleep through the night but deborah would notice that he was waking up like almost every hour and instead of crying he would be laughing and so she thought it was kind of weird like she thought it was almost like someone was in there playing with him so she was freaked out like a little bit but she was like not enough to like do anything about it yet except take the baby and move it into her bedroom so now the baby is sleeping in the master bedroom with tony and deborah and one day deborah's outside yeah little crowded little crowded but they like moved the crib in there. It was fine. Everything's good, you know. Um, one day though, Deborah's outside doing her thing, and a neighbor stopped her and said, "Hey, um, just out of curiosity, I noticed the nursery light on like the entire night." And Deborah's like, "Well, that's really weird because no one's been in the nursery in like a few days, and I know that I turned the lights off." Like, maybe you're seeing the hallway light coming through the nursery. And she's like, no, it turns on in the middle of the night. And I can see the lamp lit up in the nursery. So it's not from the hallway. So Deborah's just kind of like, that's really weird, but okay. So just something to keep, like, in the back of the mind is that the nursery seems to kind of be, like, a little bit of a hot spot for all this activity right now. So... July 14th, 1993, 
Deborah's sister Karen was staying the night with the couple and she entered the nursery because I guess nothing had happened in a little bit. So they moved the baby back into the nursery and there they found all the baby's stuffed animals back to back in a perfect circle in the middle of like the area rug. So isn't that like, isn't that for whatever reason, the fact that they were like back to back in like a circle freaks me out. Like it's a weird formation for them to be in because no one ever arranges their stuffed animals like that, you know? Yeah, that's that's really scary. That's not something that a little baby would do. First of all, much less, you know what I mean? Like it's not like you, yeah, you like can't write that on a toddler. Not even a toddler. This this kid is like a few months old. So they're like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like maybe maybe like Tony or Karen or someone did it like as a prank maybe like one of tony's brothers that was over earlier in the day did it as like a joke so they were like okay so they put all their stuffed animals like back in their like assigned places in the room so there was some on the dresser there was some in the crib and then there was one teddy bear that they put in like a rocking chair in the room right and they turned off the lights and they went down the stairs From the bottom of the stairs, though, if you are looking up the stairs, you can see into the nursery. So by the time they get down the stairs, Karen turns around and she sees that all of the lights in the nursery are on. And she's like, that's so weird because I remember Tony turning off the lights. So she goes back up the stairs to turn off the lights. And that's when she found a singular bear laying on its back, which was the one that they put in the rocking chair in the middle of the floor, like in right in the middle of where the circle would have been. So she's like, okay. that is very odd. And the lights are all it's on. It's weird. All the lights are on too. So she's like, this is really weird. Okay. So she puts the bear back. She turns off all the lights and they kind of go about their night. When they go upstairs to go to bed, all the lights are on and the bear is in the same position. So, they're like, this is just so weird. Like the bear keeps falling. It's it's not falling off this chair because it's too far for him to fall. And it's in the exact same position in the same like spot on the rug. So they call up Tony's brother because they assume that someone's playing a prank on them. And they're like, are you still here? Like, what is going on? Like, are you messing with us? And he's like, no, but I'll be right over. So he comes over with his camera, like an, like an old camera, and he gets ready to photograph the bear on the rug. And kind of like half jokingly, he calls out to an entity and he says, hey, do you want to have your picture taken? And immediately in front of everyone, as he's taking the picture, the bear begins to spin around unprompted on the ground. Oh my God. So, I, okay. Yeah, because before this, I, I I was gonna say like I would want to be convinced that like a weird neighbor was like playing a weird prank, which would be concerning in and of itself. But like that's yeah. what I would be holding on to. But when that bear moves, game over. <laughs> that's when you know it's real. So I guess I would take that as a no. And they did catch like a a picture of this bear on the ground, um, and so everyone panicked. Rightfully yeah. so. I would too. Understandable. So yeah, all four adults. So remember it's, it's Deborah's sister, Karen, Tony and Tony's brother. 
start to pack up and they're just like, just get the essentials, get the baby, pack it all into the car. We're going to go stay with Tony's parents. Okay. So Tony's strapping the kid into his like, uh, what do you call it? Like a high, not a, not a high chair, like a a car seat. seat. Yeah. Yeah. His car seat, his like little travel carrier. No, that's for animals. You know what I'm talking about. No, yeah, I know. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The car seat. Yeah, exactly. And he feels like a sharp sting on his back. And he's like, I got to get out of here. So they get to Tony's parents' house, who luckily don't live like super far away. And Deborah's like, Did you say you like felt something on your back? Like, let me see your back. So he lifts up his shirt and there's three long, evenly spaced scratches, almost like fingernails or claws. And they're like pretty oh. deep. So Is they're like, bleeding? yeah, a little bit, like a little bit. It's a, it's not like a cut, but it's like a scratch. You can tell, the you know, scratch part. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so this kind of became like a reoccurring thing. Like Tony would always get scratched and it wouldn't really scratch anyone else in the house. But once, while they had a video camera pointed at him, three scratches appear on Tony from nowhere, like out of nowhere, appear on him on camera. And you can see this video. I wonder if this video is like available. It is. You can see it. There's tons of pictures of like his scratches and stuff. And um, that particular incident nicknamed this entity, like the man-hating spirit, because it would only really mess with Tony. It wouldn't okay. really mess with Deborah or the baby thus far. So they are like, let's get out of the house for a little bit. So they leave the house for about two weeks and they move back in on July 29th, 1993. But this time they're not alone. They invited a psychic named Barbara Connor into the house who set up kind of like a seance area and was calling out to the spirits. And she picked up on a spirit named Sally and Sally announced her presence by lighting candles spontaneously. And yeah, which is pretty cool. Actually, the psychic is like, you've got nothing to worry about. Like that just means a friend is present. And that's like a direct quote from her. She's like, sure about that. (laughs) Are you sure about that? Um, She's like, Sally's, Sally's like a mischievous little girl. Like she can be a little bit bratty, but like you really have nothing to worry about. Like if I were you, I would kind of like take a firm tone with her, but like, like you would reprimand a child. So if if she's, you know, scratching you, whatever, just say, Sally, we don't scratch people and move on with your day. And she should stop. So word kind of gets out like Atchison is a pretty, or Atchison is a pretty small town and previous residents of the house come forward and they're like, hey, we heard about your experience with the psychic. Um, we lived there and our daughter was f- about five years old at the time. And for our entire stint living there and not before, not after, our daughter had an imaginary friend named Sally. So oh. the Pikmins are like, did anything weird ever happen? They were like, no. But we would always, like, our daughter was a little bit of a troublemaker and we would always, like, scold her for certain things. And her excuse would always be, oh, that wasn't me. It was Sally did that. Or, um, you know, Sally made me do it. Sally told me to do it. Whatever. 
something straight out of a horror movie. Um, yeah, is actually, I was going to say, this sounds like the literal script of a horror movie. Yeah. So if I were the Pikmins, I would be so far gone at this point. It's not even funny. As would I. But nothing like... They got, they got a little break for a little while, for a few months. And then Halloween, October 31st, 1993, Tony gets home from work late. And, you know, Deborah and, the, and, and their baby are asleep. And he goes into the kitchen to pour himself something to drink before going up to bed. And he turns around and he sees a little girl dressed in early 20th century garb standing in the doorway to the kitchen. Oh, no. So... I would just like to say that that is one of my worst fears. Um, I don't like when entities are little kids um, and they make themselves seen. I just, it freaks me out. And she was dressed, he said, completely in white. um, Almost like she, like almost in her like Sunday best, he said. So she. Very shining. Yeah, it's, it's giving classic horror, which I don't love because it's scary for a reason. Yeah, um, exactly. So, <laughs> so Tony immediately grabs like a sketch pad and he, he draws a picture of her appearance like in her dress. And this picture is actually framed in the house still to this day. And he reaches out to the former residents and he's like, can you show this picture to your daughter? Like, is this what she looks like? And the daughter comes back and she's like, that's Sally. Like, that is who I was talking to when I was a kid. Okay. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, thank you. I'm good. So Um, does this picture exist? And like, could could I find this picture if I like Googled it? Oh, I'm going to post it on Instagram. It's like a pencil sketch of like a little girl with like brown curly hair and a white ribbon and a white fr- like frilly dress. Okay. It's like I feel bad because if it's like actually the poor girl that like died on the operating table. But I feel like it's not. I feel like it's there's something else going on, right? <laughs> yeah, I I wouldn't feel too bad. Okay. So so After the apparition appears to Tony, the hauntings become more frequent and more violent. Fire started inexplicably, which was also, though, reported by former residents, especially in the nursery. So, like, the curtains would catch fire. Candles would light themselves. Just, like, miniature fires that didn't do a whole lot of damage, but also no one wants their house spontaneously igniting. Yeah. And also, like... The fact that it wasn't coming from anywhere, like if it was in the kitchen, like you'd be like, oh, well, maybe like I left up, but like, no, that's weird. Now the nursery. Yeah. The curtains in the nursery. Like what is possibly going to light the curtains on? I, I don't know. Just weird. Just weird stuff. Yeah. Uh, objects were thrown at people. One time a lamp was thrown at Tony's mother with like really like a lot of force and it was oh, it wow. very, very narrowly missed her. Oh my um, god, poor woman. I know, which she was like, hello. Um, <laughs> and then Deborah and Tony both reported hearing scratching from behind their like headboard on their bed, but they had it checked out and there was like nothing in the wall 
and it wasn't the sound wasn't coming from the wall they said it was just behind the headboard so it wasn't like an animal or anything that had gotten trapped oh, like it wasn't from the wall it was just behind the headboard so the pikmins uh start to pick up that hey maybe this is not a little girl um after one specific instance so one night tony said he was in bed and he woke up to the apparition of sally standing at his the foot of the bed Wait, she comes around yes so was he the only one who has actually seen her apparition so far besides like the little girl that was friends with her yes okay thank you so she never really appeared to Deborah. Like Deborah never had anything like super alarming happen to her. It was just kind of like unsettling, like the thing with the bear and the light. Like that was yeah. kind of like the extent of what happened to Deborah. So yeah. the woman, right? Like- Tony's in bed and the apparition comes towards him and she grabs his wrist and she tries to like pull him out of the bed. And Tony's like no thanks. Like I'm, I'm yeah. real good. Um, I'm all right. So, so <laughs> when she let go, there were perfect burns on his wrist in the shape of a small hand. Oh. And right before his eyes, she morphed from this little girl into a half animal, half human demon like, Thing with rotting flesh and like maggots on her face oh man so oh my i'm God. gonna go out on a limb here and say that this is not the spirit of a little girl that died on the operating table um i i looked into it and there's no records of a sally that lived in atchison kansas at that time at all really Wow. Not a single record of a Sally. So it might be part of like the local lore as part as like, you know, a story to explain this happening. But I don't think that actually there ever really was a Sally that lived in this house. Well, I'm glad that, I mean, I'm glad that there wasn't actually a little girl that died on the operating table, but also then that just brings up so many questions about the demon that is there. That's what I'm saying. Like it, it's uh, very, it, it's a very scary haunting, especially after this. It it just continues going downhill. I also, well, you're probably going to answer this, but I also wonder why the demon seems to hate men. Because I was kind of thinking if it was Sally, like she maybe held a grudge because she didn't understand that, like the doctor wasn't like actually was, trying to kill her yeah you know but, i had like, the same thought kid? yeah i don't Weird, know right? i know i i don't think it was ever like really truly answered huh. but all right continue interesting so um it, it like you said it's almost like sally was just targeting tony And so then Tony starts to have like a little bit of like depressive episodes. And he came out later after they moved out of the house and said like he was having like homicidal thoughts while inside the house. And he was thinking like 
like not he wasn't thinking about doing it, but he would have like graphic visions of himself like killing Deborah. <gasps> which thankfully like he that. said he said they stopped pretty soon after they moved out of the house. And they moved out of the house in 1994, but they still live in Atchison Can Atchison Can Oh. I I heard your dog barking in the background. I literally was like It's the demon. Oh. <laughs> He's a half animal. <laughs> with rotten flesh so what was I saying oh they still live in Atchison Kansas Mm -hmm. say it one more time Uh, so Tony and Deborah and their now three kids still live in Atchison Kansas Um, they've been asked about it several times they don't believe it was a little girl they believe it was a demon taking the form of a little girl to gain their trust um they believe that the house was infested so not a good scene um at all one more like little story about the house was that so at some point a family by the name of the Liggetts L-I-G-G-E-T Liggett um and it was a wife, Mary, her husband, and her two children leased the house from the owner, Les Smith. So one day, Les Smith shows up unannounced for like a routine maintenance check in the basement. And they're like kind of reluctant to let him down there. But eventually he's like, I, I got to go in your basement. So he goes downstairs and there's an altar, sacrificial objects, and a huge pentagram drawn on the floor. Oh, What's your move if you're the owner of this house? I would say, is is this yours? Are you, <laughs> what, what's going on here? I personally would ask them to not do that anymore and to find a different place um, for their Satanistic practices. Um but he I would just say, asked this is coming me. out of your security deposit, bruh. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> Sore subject. <laughs> yeah, part of our security deposit was not given back, but we won't talk about it right now. <laughs> um, so Les Smith asks the Liggetts to leave the property, but it's okay. kind of widely thought that the Satanistic activities, whatever they were going down whatever was going down in the basement kind of opened a portal and that's why it is the way it is. And okay. So it was, so the Liggetts are probably the ones that were, they put that there. Like it wasn't just like there one day. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, no. It was, they were, they were Satanists or at least the Mary Liggett was a Satanist. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. So that is like the record of the last people to live in the Sally house. Um, now it's a haunted hotspot and there's various tours available, which you bet your ass we will be doing. If we ever find ourselves in Atchison, Kansas, um, yeah, you can do a self-guided tour. You can do a guided tour, a supervised investigation, or for the cheap price of $100, you can reserve a night there Honestly, and spend the night. Not that bad of a deal. It's less than a hotel is. Although I will say I was looking at um, 
like Google and Yelp reviews and people were saying that like apparently like, I I feel like a lot of people have like super 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 good things to say and then other people have like horrible things to say but I guess that's just like, the nature of leaving an online review um yeah but people were saying that it was like so dirty and there was like food everywhere and they were like I, and, they, and they said that they were like I can't believe I wasted like x amount of money um, so don't think that it's going to, I don't think it's necessarily like something like with like the Lizzie Borden house where it's like a bed and breakfast. I think it's like you sleep on the ground, right? Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. But I mean, don't quote me on that though. Like maybe there are places to sleep. I don't know. I don't think so. It Cause it, it seems yeah, to be a very small house. Yeah, it, it does. It looks, it looks small. The picture. Oh, one more thing I forgot to mention so, you know how I said that the nursery was kind of, like, the hot spot of, like, all the, um, all, like, the, most of the paranormal activity? Yes. So, I was looking at the floor plan, and the nursery is, like, like, above this part of, like, a sealed-off part in the basement that a wall was put up and they never tore down. So no one actually knows like what in the basement is behind, is like directly above or directly below the basement. They've never torn it down. So they don't know what's sealed off down there. Don't they want to find out? I would want to. And the people that own it, like they, they have it as a haunted attraction, right? Yeah. So it says... It's a void unknown as to why it was walled off. And then right above it, right, or right, sorry, my bad. Um, right, yeah, below the, nur- right below the nursery, like on in the same area is the kitchen, which is where another place where they got a lot of like sightings and stuff. Wow. And, like, interaction. Um, so one of my favorite, like, paranormal things to to watch, like, or listen to, I guess, for a while was that BuzzFeed Unsolved. Yes, they got, like, a lot of, like, EVPs and luck with, like, responses in the kitchen. So isn't that freaky? I wonder what's inside that walled area. I would love to know what's inside there. I wouldn't want to go. And find out for myself, I but I would love if someone but, else would do it. <laughs> I know. Someone's got to take one for the team and find out. Also, apparently, the, is the uh, basement off limits? Because one of the reviews says that it's off limits. Um, I'm sure it is. It, I was, like, it's I was like, wondering if a Loki condemned. What, do you say Loki condemned? Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's not a finished basement. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. So weird. And there were, and there were actually a lot of... Um, when I was looking at the reviews, there were a lot where people were saying um, that they saw stuff. Like people had their equipment going off. There was, there were shadows. People were always talking about shadows and there were voices. Um, People said there was like stuff like running down the halls. Like I feel like a lot of the times when we do one of these places that people can visit and like stay overnight, it's kind of like 50, 50. Like people are like, I didn't hear anything. Or actually it's more skewed to people saying like they didn't really hear much, but a lot of these people, a lot of these people saw it and even like the one-star reviews it's funny a lot of the one-star reviews like you'd think they would be like this is a scam like I didn't see anything 
but a lot of the one-star reviews are people saying like oh my god this was so scary and I like feel like I experienced something so I don't know if like they didn't mean to hit Ooh. one star but they're like I don't know but I don't know that's man. so funny interesting well it sounds like this is the place to visit if you want an experience yeah and just the fact that it's like demons like if it was ghosts or something I you know or something spooky had happened, I would I would be more willing to go. But like the demon stuff really freaks me out. So I will be. No, I don't. I don't. I don't like demonic stuff. But ghosts are chill. Yeah, I completely agree. Ghosts are chill. They be chilling. I don't like demons. So though. I think this was. I mean, this was a really good one. Again, it wasn't on the East Coast, but it's it was worth doing because it's it's absolutely haunted. I think <laughs> like this is one of those ones I, where I'm like. I have no doubt in my head. I completely agree. Um, I want to take a minute um, to thank our our follower that suggested it. So hold on one second while I pull them up. And I'm going to give you their handle and everything else because they actually are a paranormal investigation investigator for a living. Whoa, so, for a living? That's really for cool. For a living. So please go follow them. Thank you so much, Parker Lizette. Lizette. Um, but you can go follow them. P-A-R-K-E-R underscore L-I-Z-O-T-T-E on Instagram. Wow. The fact that and- it came from a professional paranormal investigator makes me also be like, okay, this place is definitely haunted. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you have it on good authority that this place is actually, something's going on at this place. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Parker. And anyone else who has suggestions, even if it's not on the East Coast, send them in. Yeah. If you guys want them, we'll do them. We'll do them. That's what we're here for. That was a good one. So thank you, Parker. Um, spooky. I'm a little creeped out now, but that's okay because it's still daylight. No, yeah, it's yeah, definitely freaky. Um, I have to go watch something lighthearted now. I think. Yeah, right. I'm gonna go watch Say Yes to the Dress. I think. Ooh, good show. Good show. Actually, I'm also seeing the I'm seeing the Barbie movie tonight, so that'll be perfect. <gasps> okay, you'll have to let me know what you think of it because I did the Barbenheimer double feature for my birthday last weekend. And oh, that's, that's so you. I love that. I know. It was so fun. It was, um, Oppenheimer was a piece of, like, gorgeous cinema. It was a great plot. And Barbie was, like, it, I know, like, our, our childhoods obviously overlapped. Like, you are going to love this movie. It is so fun. Margot Robbie is amazing. Ryan Gosling was born to play the role of Ken. Um... It is like laugh out loud funny. And I think that everyone in the world should be made to watch Barbie because I just, the only people that like I know that didn't enjoy it were the people that like it's making fun of. And you'll see what I mean when you like, when you watch it. And oh, I'll, tell you, so I'll tell you some stories about it after you watch it, but it is so funny. Oh, I'm so, I know. I, I have heard that it lived up to the hype. Which is it insane because like the hype is so much. So I'm so excited. Greta Gerwig popped off. She slayed. Did you she's making a Narnia, like a Narnia series or something. No. Yeah, she's adapting those. Isn't that crazy? 
I'm so excited. Someone get her on the HBO Harry Potter. <gasps> that would be. She would that not would mess be a it up. More idea. Yeah. I can't wait. Anyway, we've, now you've got some good content to go watch. Everyone go see the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer. Both of them are definitely worth a watch. Um, and yeah, that's that. That's the Sally House. That's the Sally oh. House. We'll be back soon with another. Um, Absolutely. Your suggestions, etc. Yes, and this is, again, another reminder. Um, I'm going to put the link out, but go actually i'm not sure if the other episode will be published by this one might come out first depending on the editing job because the other episode that we recorded online was a little (laughs) bit rough um i think i messed it up so you're gonna have to bear with us on this one i think this one much went much smoother but um one of our dear podcast friends that actually had me on as a guest for like a Christmas spooky story time special. She's a storytelling podcast called Jackie just chatters. She got nominated for um, an award best podcast. So please go vote for her. Cause she deserves it. She is phenomenal. Um, a lot of our viewers might, or oh my God, I always say that listeners might like her murder mystery series. Cause it's kind of like an interactive podcast where you get to solve the murder. It's very good. I just started listening to it and I'm going to solve it. And um, yeah. I love it. So go I'm vote for it. I, go. I tried to plug in my computer and then it did something weird. So I didn't hear the last like 30 seconds. So just tell me after we finish recording. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Okay. Love you all so much. Um, Thank slay. you uh yes thank you for listening and we are just two ghouls creeping it real until next time it real until next time see you guys soon and thanks for listening bye bye all right that was really good